0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com Gather around the lamp
1: and Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And we're Elgarzi! 3-0! Emphatic! Traore with Watkins available! Traore just passes it into the
0: corner! Big moment for him. It's young, Ground Side!
1: Here's Douglas Luiz, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! He a big clap, mate. So... Gather round fellow villains and welcome to another episode of Gather round the Lamp, our Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com, sponsored by Manscaped. After weeks of bad news, we finally have something positive to discuss as we look back on Stephen Gerrard's managerial debut and look ahead to the weekend trip to Crystal Palace. I'm Andy, and I'm delighted to be joined today by
2: Craig and Dan. Woo, 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 Aston Villa won a game, uh, klaxon. even. Um, Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful time. I am Craig, and delighted to be here to discuss our first win since the historical uh, 1-0 win at Old Trafford, which seems to have contributed towards the downfall of everyone's favourite Norwegian PE teacher, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, We are sorry to see the back of him, but we are delighted to see the front of Stevie G. Oh, front of Stevie G. Hi everyone,
0: it's Dan here. Um, in a week where Stevie G hit the headlines for banning a certain condiment, I'm looking forward to having a catch-up with you all about all things Villa. Oh dear. <laughs> Insert tumbleweed noise here. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for that, Dan. Thanks for that. <laughs> I've been waiting for that all week. I've been sat on that one, letting it stew. It was that or hindsight, but I thought catch up with you all was the better part. Okay. Hindsight would have been better, I think.
1: But anyway, I'm not a comedy expert. <laughs> yeah, hindsight would have been better. <laughs> but thanks for kicking off the uh, podcast. I think uh, I think someone has, someone particular has probably switched off at that point. <laughs> anyway, um, it was uh, an expectant full house at Villa Park on Saturday as, as fans flocked to see Stephen Gerrard. And his staff uh, take to the Villa technical area for the first time. Gerard made two changes um, to the previous team selected by Dean Smith. Jacob Ramsey coming into midfield. And Danny Ings returning from an injury uh, to take his place in a new look front three with Ollie Watkins and Ermy Buendia. Morgan Sanson, the lesser spotted. Morgan Sanson re- returned to the bench as Douglas Luiz was still absent with injury. Um, initial observations on team selection and the formation for this one guys.
2: Well, we were all hoping to see a three, five, two on this uh, podcast, but unfortunately, (laughs) no, I'm joking. Um, I think, I think we all expected to see that the four, three, three, it is Steven Gerrard's uh, preferred formation. Um, with the narrow strikers similar to Liverpool, I'm sure that's a complete coincidence though. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, I was, I I think there was, (laughs) it was slim pickings in midfield. Um, you had to kind of play marvellous, uh, Jacob Ramsey and uh, McGinn, um, because those were really the only three fit players. Uh, Sanson was returned to the bench, which was welcome, but probably f- not fit to start. And Douglas Luiz, uh, absent with injury. So I think um, it was no surprise to see Danny Ings back in. I think we lots of people had predicted Watkins switching to the left. And so I think he went with the strongest available uh, 11. Uh, probably Sanson would squeeze in. Um, if, if 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 he was fully fit, maybe, but he wasn't. So that was the, the the best team we had available, and and I think it was a really bright start. Lots of lo- lots of forward players, lots of attacking players with the likes of Buendia, Watkins, and Ings. You know that is a formidable went went on song. That is a formidable front front three. I think uh, John McGinn uh, in behind, who had his had a blinder again. John McGinn, loving him. Um, so yeah, it was it, w- it was positive stuff, and and. It was nice to see Ings back. It was nice to see um, uh, Ramsey. You know, it, it is nice to see, you know, a, a, a wonderful young Villa player really coming into his own. I thought Ramsey was fantastic. So uh, I was I was delighted with the team. Not a lot more he could have done. And um, also, I think as it kind of panned out, that is one of the first times this season that we've seen our famous back five from last year all starting together with uh, Martinez, Cash, in a Ming's concert and uh, Matt Target and um, you know maybe it's coincidence but we got a clean sheet again
0: yeah I think you spot on there Craig it was a uh, team sheet was exactly what you'd expect he didn't have too much uh, wiggle room did he there were not many players to choose from Formation-wise, was interesting. It's kind of it's the template from Rangers, but I don't think I've seen a team line up that narrow in defence before. We the, the front three were really narrow, and the midfield three, and I think that's going to be his style of play at Villa, which was his latter-day uh, Rangers. Tactic, but I think the thing that impressed me the most is that what's he been in the job just over a week? He, he managed to really communicate his ideas to the team. We looked like a, a different team in terms of not just the way we lined up, but the way we played all that high pressing, quick balls forwards, and and yeah, that defensive shape. And, and for him to communicate that in a week, kind of, I mean. Fingers crossed, as as we get more and more weeks, more time on the training field, then it's going to get better and better. But no surprises, apart from I don't know, maybe the performance and the result.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was pretty much. I mean, I I, I, I think I think a lot of people thought that Ashley Young would probably start left back um, instead of Matt Target, but again, you know, Matt Target was um, was 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 one of those. Um, you know, surprisingly good performers. I think at the weekend he certainly looked more back to his old self from last year, and uh, and that was that was that was great to see. Um, in the end, actually, uh, you know, without without sort of getting ahead of ourselves too much, after the game, I was walking back to the train with my mate, and uh, I said to him, um, you know, that I only really remember um, a lot from the defenders based on what they did in attacking areas. So obviously Ming scored, you know, cash was excellent going forward. I don't really remember cons of doing anything. And I think it just showed that actually there were no kind of awful kind of ricks or, or mistakes. It was all fairly, fairly well, just well organized. And, and they didn't really, um, trouble us too much, did they? Um, despite, despite having an awful lot of the ball for most of the game, but, um, and no, I was pleased with the. It's a shame, sort of. Dougie was injured. I think you know. I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing how how Gerard sort of um, gets the best out of him. Really, I think. I think he's been. He has been very hit and miss for a, around sort of eight months now. And I think. I think um, it will be good to see if if Gerard and McAllister have got any, any sort of ideas. W- you know with him cuz he's undoubtedly an incredibly talented player and and Sanson probably falls into this this a similar category in that in that regard really so um exciting times ahead like you say given how quickly um they seem to have um have have kind of got got, got things on board really um but um yeah uh, villa made a, a solid start to the match as they as they looked uh, to set the tempo. Um however it was it was Brighton who created uh, the best chance of, of the first half as Martinez uh, saved well from Trossard from close range. In, Ings also got got in on goal um briefly but his first touch be, betrayed him and, and stealing goal gathered well. Um there wasn't too much to shout about um but also uh, you know little to get too alarmed about either um you know at half time really
0: yeah I mean I said last week on here that Brighton were a tricky team to come up against they've got they keep the ball so well and and they did that in this match kind of Villa started so so brightly and then Brighton just played keep ball with us they just stole it for so long and sucked a life out of us but I think I mean you're right there Andy I think the most enjoyable part of that first half is that I don't think I ever felt in danger, it, it was almost like we had the Villa from last season, where I felt like no one was going to ever score against us, and it, it just felt like that. Like whatever Brighton threw us, felt like we were level to it. So, yeah, pretty decent, I'd say, first half, and and you know second half came to show it too, but the longer you stay in a game, the more chance you have of getting something out of it. And and I hate to say it, but maybe under Dean Smith, we'd have let one in in that first half. And that change of manager, we've definitely got a change of mindset from the players.
2: I think you, you referenced something quite quite important there, Daniel. I think during Dean Smith this season, we would have conceded one. However, as you also said under Dean Smith last season I don't think we would have conceded one you know we felt you know I I remember you know the game at Leicester uh, for example where we won 1-0 through a few of those well there were more than a few there were 15 clean sheets last season let's not forget under Dean Smith and there was it just you know there were many games where we just felt safe as houses obviously that went out the window this year and um, for whatever reason maybe the fact that Dean Smith didn't play this back five, uh, uh, particularly, you know, the, the same back five from last year. He's trying to experiment with the back three or put Twan Zebi in, who, as we know, is a potted plant of a football player. Um, but when you went back, uh, when Gerard went back to our, our trusted back five from last season, I don't think it's a coincidence that we kept our first clean sheet in a little while. Uh, but not only that, I I also really enjoyed the, the fact that we were able to still use the fullbacks and and Matty Cash, Matt Target were both getting forward, not necessarily to great effect. Um, I think their final ball let them down. I think uh, Matt Target had a a, a chance to cross one. I think Ollie Watkins was unmarked, but he couldn't quite bring it under control. Great ball from John McGinn. And similarly, there was a ball into the back post. Matt Cash took a, a header on goal, good save from Steele. But actually Danny Ings was unmarked on the penalty spot. And if he'd just... Cash uh, had just nodded it back to Ings, that would have been 1-0. So it was really interesting to see that we were able to have that defensive solidity under Gerard in his first game, but the fullbacks weren't parked in their, you know, you know, parked on the halfway line. Burnley style, they they got up and and supported the attacks. And the midfielders, the three midfielders were working really hard to close those gaps. But the most impressive thing, I think, defensively was that we didn't get caught in transition uh, like we normally do when we do lose the ball further up the field. The amount of times we get counted on and, and 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 sucker punched under Dean Smith this season has been absolutely unacceptable, <laughs> hence why he got fired, one of the reasons he got fired. But under Gerard, even though it is the first game, so we're not going to get too carried away, it was really important to understand that we were solid as safe as houses. Martinez, I think, has had two saves to make. Uh, one straight at him, in the, uh, and, and the second one was a decent save from... Um, Tarek Lamptey, who's a very, very good player, by the way. Uh, interesting that we started scoring goals as soon as he went off the pitch. I don't think that was a coincidence either, but the, the, there wasn't too much to be alarmed about. And as I, always, I, I tweeted this the other day, and I say it on this podcast, you know, clean sheets aren't sexy, but they are the absolute bedrock of, of the Villa success last season, and they need to be the bedrock of Villa success this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, ju- I just feel like um, there was a kind of different
1: an entirely different approach wasn't there to to what was going on um at, at, you know in during the game and um particularly that first half it was it was um they were they 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 just felt felt more comfortable it's like they it was like they'd got their, their 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 old faithful slippers on again you know they were they looked they looked um more in control they looked like they knew what they were doing there was no you know major Sort of issues in terms of um, uh, you know where where positionally where people had to be, and I think I think that just from a from a spectator's point of view, although it wasn't you know they they didn't necessarily look in control of the game as such. Um, in in you know, not that they weren't in control. That, 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 obviously, Brighton had had a great deal of the ball, didn't they? but um i certainly think um from 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 that perspective um you know villa it, it just looked a bit more like well, we are in the game we we haven't you know there's no there's no major fear here you know at, at this point so um you know it was it was good from that point of view and I, I you know i don't know i mean i i've been trying to sort of think about this and i was, I was sort of thinking how I've kind of wanted this shape this 4-3-3 shape with the narrow the, the, this kind of everyone sort of tucked in you know how do you think that kind of helped us in in this game particularly knowing the way Brighton play with the, with their their a possession based team aren't they they keep the ball so well they look so comfortable on the ball how do you think having that that really kind of compact shape helped us I think it helps. I mean, it helps both sides of the ball defensively. It's really
0: hard to play through that in the middle. You're forcing the opposition wide all the time. And in Mings and Contra and with Emmy Martinez, I think we have a defensive unit that will, that will deal with crosses. Going forwards, I thought it was interesting because. Gerard managed to shackle McGinn like Dino never could I mean McGinn wasn't his usual headless chicken running everywhere ping, trying to ping balls around he played quite measured I thought he was choosing his spots when to go forwards but he was also holding position and I think that's what that narrow formation does for us As Craig mentioned the fullbacks they can only get forwards if you've got the ball if not then they're coming straight back the other direction and, and I think because we, we played it out the back a bit more we, we didn't look afraid to kind of get the ball on the deck, a few short passes is bring it out. Whereas under Smith, we were very vertical because that's what worked for us. Um it, we looked a lot braver on the ball, and and with that narrow free in midfield, you can be a bit braver out wide. The fullbacks can overlap because they know they've got McGinn sitting a bit deeper. They know they've got Nakamba sitting a bit deeper, and it just gives them license. I suppose the other thing is the pressing too. When you're that narrow, you can press a bit quicker, and it gives you time to get back if you've if you've lost the ball. Whereas again under Smith, and it's not a criticism, we were we tended to spread out a lot more and look for that killer pass earlier, and it's a lot harder to kind of regain shape after that so I mean it's a smart tactical move from Jared he's he's obviously not a slouch in in that regard and and yeah I was was particularly surprised with how he shackled McGinn because McGinn's never looked like he wanted to stay back as much as he did in this game
2: I think you can drive uh, you know the the Villas defence this season and again it wasn't the same last season so I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon that uh, Dean Smith can't uh, couldn't you know, have a team defend, because let's not forget, he he equalled the clean sheet record last year of Aston Villa Football Club in the Premier League. And he did so with an inferior team, by far inferior team than the one that set the record under Martin O'Neill, let's not forget. Uh, and that was a team pushing for the top four, finished in sixth place. This Dean Smith's team last year was a mid-table outfit. So, you know, I like, always like to lay the groundwork with a bit of context. So there it is. Um So let's not, pretend that Dean Smith is some kind of clown car when it comes to d- defensive displays. It, it has been poor this season, but he does know how to set up a team to defend. But um, this season, the spaces were all wrong. I mean, you could drive a horse and carriage through the Villa midfield, you know, and it would only ever take one or two passes from the opposition this season. And you're at Villa's back line. And then you're you're forcing Konza into uncharacteristic mistakes and red cards. You're forcing Mings into maybe slightly more characteristic mistakes, but, you know, not the mistakes he was making last year. And Mings was outstanding again. I think we're going to talk about him in some more detail in a moment. So what you're doing then is you're you're giving your defence a bit more protection. I mean, there's a lot been made about lots of, uh, lots of defenders at other clubs and how terrible they are. Um, but actually, if you look, sometimes those defenders are not getting a lot of protection. You know, there's only a very, very minor few amount of defenders who can get away with not you know without protection you know van dyke is one but they're in a very small club defenders need protection and they had the protection marvelous Nakamba. um what a what a game he had um people get angry at marvelous for 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 not being this marauding kind of uh i don't know <laughs> andrea perlo midfielder um I'm going to bastardize an Einstein quote here. But if you judge a goldfish by its ability to climb the tree, then a goldfish will spend its life (laughs) believing that it is an idiot. And um, you can't judge marvelous by his ability to climb a tree. He's a goldfish. He swims around in his pond or his tank even, and he guards the shop. That's what he does. He reads danger. He slides in. And he makes a simple five-yard ball to a more talented teammate. That is his game. He is excellent at it. If you ask him to do anything else <laughs> besides that, he is going to struggle because he cannot climb trees, but he can swim if you catch my drift. No, absolutely.
1: And I think I think it has been said that... Um, Was it a 93% um, pass pass completion?
0: 96, I think. I got corrected on Twitter because I said he had a great game defensively but looked... You know, like a Bambi on ice when he had the ball, and but I was surprised to see that he pass can't, completion. He just like can't climb
2: trees, Daniel. Don't ask him, he can't him to climb, climb trees; trees he, is the problem. Don't ask him to do it because he can't,
0: and don't be upset with him for not being able to
2: do it because he can't do it.
0: He was great, though, as as were a number of Villa players that keep him things simple. And uh, sorry, Andy, before I throw it over to you, one thing while we're doing the kind of Dean Smith Stephen Gerrard comparison. Let's not forget. This is probably the fittest that starting eleven has looked all season, and I don't think it's it's a coincidence that, that we kept clean sheet and played that well when we've had two weeks off to kind of recuperate and recalibrate. And I think I'm not sure Dean Smith had that fitter eleven to choose from all year, so it's a little bit of a caveat on the performance from the weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not going to you won't you won't catch me getting into Dean Smith Stephen Gerrard comparisons until. Until Gerald's been there th- for three years, and um, you know, kind of, there's a there's a clear body of work, you know, to to actually compare, you know. So we'll we'll keep that one for now. But even then, you know, um, it's it's impossible to 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 compare the two really. Um, but we'll get into the second half, and you know, it was a similar vein. Um, although <clears throat> Brighton appeared to kind of step up their possession and stretch Villa's midfield slightly. However, they still struggled to really create anything of note and, and Villa's defensive organisation stood up to the test. Um, Gerard called for reinforcements off his bench and, and brought on Leon Bailey for Danny Ings. Ashley Young uh, came on for Emi Buendia, who can climb trees um, and should be climbing more trees than he is at the moment, um, before Al Ghazi replaced... Um, Jacob Ramsey, as well, in fact just it was just as um, Ramsey was making his way behind the the whole ten goal on eighty three minutes um, that Nakamba won the ball in the villa box and set young Ashley young away on a on a a, a run which which rolled back the years and um, he then played an excellent pass uh, through to Watkins um, to run into the Brighton box and smash the ball into the corner. The relief and joy inside the ground was palpable. Um, it was certainly a wonderful moment for Watkins, who has has had a stuttering start to the season so far and a great first goal for, for the new boss.
2: Oh yeah, it was a fantastic first goal. Um, maybe Oli Watkins' best goal, he may have scored for Villa, other than maybe the one where he's chopped in uh, and done uh, Joe Gomez for Liverpool and bent one in the top corner. Uh, those are probably 1A and 1B. Certainly off the top of my head, that is the, the most wonderful goal I mean I was uh, you know I will admit that I was screaming at my TV for him to pass to, <laughs> to my beautiful baby boy Al Ghazi who did a wonderful uh wonderful look really sharp by the way Al Ghazi let's give him some love when he came on he looked up for it didn't he uh, He looked well up for it he was flying around the place uh nice run from Al Ghazi uh, and then I'm I'm saying to uh Watkins uh, give it to Bailey Bailey's unmarked on the back post and has got a tap in um, but he doesn't. And he absolutely smacks one into the far corner. Steel, uh, you know, he had, Steel had uh, legs like lead. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> <No>? Anyway, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't it, it wasn't very good. He couldn't get there. And, 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 you know, and Ollie Watkins is dancing in the, uh, in, 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 in dancing to the, dancing to the whole end next to uh, Leon Bailey with uh, none other than Usain Bolt in the stands uh, jumping around as well. Um, so, absolutely incredible scenes. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine what it was like to be there. But let's talk about Nakamba. Nakamba was there in his goldfish bowl. He was guarding that little castle in the <laughs> goldfish bowl. And he 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 had composure rather than just thrashing the ball out. He had composure. He gives the ball to Ashley Young. And Ashley Young, I mean, I think he was only on the pitch for 10, 15 minutes. But that is the best 10, 15 minutes he's had at Aston Villa this year. He looked like a different a different beast you know, we have discussed off-air, um, listener, whether or not Ashley Young was, you know, whether his race was was ran, whether this was a mistake. Um, but he showed in, in that last kind of 15, 20-minute cameo that there is still some life in the old dog yet. I mean, when he was sprinting forward, you know, the Brighton players couldn't, couldn't catch him. I almost expected, you know, Gabiad Bonlahor to be up alongside him sprinting through and and uh, and 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 the Togali Zidane, Mustafa Salafu cheering on from the bench as uh, as 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 Ashley Young breaks through on goal. Um but unfortunately, um, you know, those days those days are gone, but the new days are here. And Watkins has absolutely spanked one into the top corner. And and what I really liked is that um Villa didn't rest on the laurels then. They went for the throat. They could have sat on that tried to defend the 1-0 lead, but they didn't. They kept coming and coming and coming. So wonderful for Ollie Watkins, a wonderful goal, wonderful start under Steven Gerrard. But there is a but here, a big but. And that is Mr. 17 touches in Danny Ings. What is going on with him? I don't know. I We were worried about this in the beginning of the season. That this player just doesn't seem to touch your football and is kind of anonymous unless he's scoring a goal. Um And he's, he's done it again there. He's, he's, was absolutely see-through. He was Mr. Cellophane to, uh, to, 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 if you, well, that's a Chicago reference, there's no need. Anyway, so Watkins, <laughs> Tick, Ings, uh, big flashing neon warning signs for me.
0: Yeah, worrying times with Ings, he he just looked anonymous, especially that first half, I mean he had the chance, but if he's going to be on the pitch to put away chances, he's got to be, you know, snatching the one chance he gets, but Craig, you mentioned it, that Ollie Watkins goal, shades of the one against Liverpool, it's become a bit of a trademark for Watkins to drift out to the left and cut inside, and and I think he'll get a lot more chance to do that in this Gerrard system, but... You know, we talked about Ashley Young coming on. Every player that came on, I thought played well. I mean, he got his subs right, Gerard. And I think what was quite interesting—they all just slotted into the formation seamlessly. We didn't have to, didn't have to move things around. Didn't look like the shape changed. They all knew exactly what their job was and exactly what they needed to do. And and we looked just as strong with two or three changes off the bench as we did in and the starting whistle. So, I think that's a really positive sign that that Gerard's going to know how to use this squad and and how to get the most out of. Them. And can we have a little moment as well For Stevie G's celebrations It's kind of, you know, Dino always celebrated on the bench But it was good to see that raw emotion And just a guy, you know, it you always wonder if there's a little bit of performance in there, but it seemed genuine. It seemed like he desperately wanted it and loved it going in, kind of turned around, soaked in the fans, kind of a bit of a fist pump too. And, you know, I was half expecting him to run halfway down the pitch and slide on his knees in front of the Holt, But it was good to see. It's always nice to see it mean that much to someone, you know, that it means that much to us. And that was one of the great things about Dino. But I think Stephen Jarrett did himself a lot of favours by, by enjoying those goals so clearly.
1: I think I think since he came in he's 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 taken you know just the way he's the way he's spoken the way he's talked about the club um you know he's not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes but this this opportunity clearly means a great deal to him you know he's he's I think you know real football people get it don't they mm-hmm. and and they go to big clubs it was the same with John Terry you know he came to villa he bought into it straight away you know and and that's not something necessarily that people expected but he gets it he, he understands he understands what it what it what it means to us um he knows what villa parks all about he knows what you know what the club is is all about it's i mean it's 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 far better than it probably ever was when he was playing <laughs> Really, but he understands the the passion of the fan base and and everything. And we're not going to get into a debate as to who has the the most passionate fan base because that's a, that's a hiding to nothing. But.
2: Well, it's obviously Leeds Andy I think it leads <laughs> or, <Easy. laughs> or Rangers if
0: we've all seen that bizarre kind of faux funeral that the the Rangers fans <laughs> had for a Steven Gerrard cardboard cutout I mean it's uh, check it out on Twitter if you've not seen it it's a bizarre scene and and I trust no villa fans will be doing that when he eventually departs for Liverpool but
1: no well I, I certainly hope not um but um yeah he, he gets it and I think I think he would have been absolutely buzzing um and particularly, and it's the way he spoke about Watkins as well. You know, he understands. You know, that I've always said that Villa have, um, you know, have a a long history of of um, idolising our number nines, our strikers. You know, all the way from sort of Andy Gray, Peter With. Tony Cascarino <laughs> no, but Alan McAnally Keenan, and people like that. Keenan, Keenan Davis, basically.
0: <laughs> you know, Oscar Balaban. But
1: I mean, we 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 do take we we do take to our our centre forwards. You know, if we have so, if we have one that that's even halfway decent, we you know we cherish them. And um, and Watkins is certainly pushing himself into that category. I think, and uh, and that was a you know a superb goal. But yeah, I I was just I was just um I was just absolutely drooling at the Ashley Young cameo. <laughs> I just thought it was it was it was tremendous and you know I'm I'm I was a, a big um a big fan of uh the, the Ashley Young signing but I just like everyone else I think I expected to see him um play a kind of bit part role from the bench, covering the fullback positions um but we've seen him play i think both full back positions we've seen him play on the left wing we've seen him uh, playing in central midfield <laughs> and now we've seen him play more as a number 10 because he came on for uh, for Buendia, didn't he? Who, who 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 was look he's he, he's finding his feet isn't he he was a bit disappointing uh, again really but he's he, oh, he's I, better I he from him this
0: week yeah, I mean, definitely better. Like his passing's still not there, but I thought his pressing was was superb this week, and he's he's getting there. I know you're you're still not a fan, Andy. You need some convincing, but he's definitely getting there. I enjoyed him punching the the hell out of the subs bench as well when he came off. Clearly frustrated to have been hauled off, but, but that's a good thing as well. He, he wasn't taking it out on on the manager; it was on the
2: inanimate furniture over on the bench there. Well, we, you know the the inanimate objects are an endangered species at Villa Park. You got Ross Barkley attacking the water bottles, Gwendia <laughs> punching the 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 bastard out of the uh, the poor plastic, uh, the plexiglass. I mean, what's next? Is uh, Marvis the camera going <laughs> to drop the nut on the corner flag? I mean, what's going on? Yeah,
1: gotta- I I don't mind seeing it from players, so long as it's not directed at. Um, at the manager for taking them off if they've had a bad game, you know, because yeah. any player should expect that, and they know if they've if they've underperformed or, or whatever. And he 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 wasn't quite in the game, and he's going to take a little bit of time, I think, and maybe maybe some time out the side would do him good. We've certainly got plenty of options. It's not like he's well. A, there's he's the a question.
2: Shiri. I I said on Twitter, and I'll say it here live on the podcast, live to tape. Um, <laughs> I would drop both. I know we're not previewing previewing the Palace game yet, but just out of curiosity, I would drop both Ings and Brendia for those lackluster displays for the Palace game. Uh, w- would you guys, or would you give would you give Brendia you know another? Does he need to run in the team? I, I don't know what what the solution is with him.
0: I don't think you spend that much money in taking him out of the team. And he is coming good. I mean, I think what will keep him in the team and what will keep Ings in the team is their work rate off the ball. And it looks like that's what the Gerrard template of a player is going to be. And for all of his qualities, Leon Bailey did not press anywhere near as much when he came on. Yeah, El Garzi did actually, To fair play to him. But I, I just think if you drop one or both of Ings and Puendia, and you lose so much work rate. But but both need to start coming good. That's a lot of money that's not looking particularly handsomely spent on the pitch right now. But
1: Yeah, I mean, shout out to, uh, to Greg Evans, who kind of called the Ashley Young um, thing as well. He, he said, I think, um, last week that he'd heard whispers that Ashley Young was going to be competing with, with Buendia for that position in the team. Um, so we'll see how that goes over the over the next few weeks. Uh, certainly, certainly it's one 0 Ashley Young at the moment, um, based on that <laughs> that short period of time. But I mean, I'm I'm always getting back to Bendira. I'm always impressed with his work rate. Um, he certainly he puts everything in. He leaves everything on the field. Um, he's just it's just not quite joining up for him in terms of his his obvious ability um, and making things happen on the pitch, but. Um, as 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 you alluded to, uh, Craig, um, this did uh, spark Villa into life. On these 83 minutes it took, but um, uh, Brighton seemed to to then kind of lose their composure, um, and then from a, a kind of corner routine, um, Mings recycled the ball on the touchline. You know, great bit of um great, great bit of uh, chasing chasing down and. Followed in McGinn's centre, and as the ball was intercepted, he was there to lash home with his right foot. Um, it was kind of a 10 second cameo of of Tyro Mings, um, who had been really excellent at the back throughout the game. Um, a great moment for the captain after a, a difficult few weeks, um, and having the cap, captain having his his own captaincy credentials uh, questioned by by some supporters and reporters and so on. Um, it was just a, a, kind of a perfect end to the day, really.
0: Yeah, cracking finish, too. Let's take a moment to talk about that. On his wrong foot at full pelt, It's uh, maybe Danny Ing should be watching him in training to to learn how to stick the ball in the back of the necks. It was superb. and But you're, you're, you're bang on there, Andy. It was it was Tyrone Mings in a nutshell, or the very best of Tyrone Mings. Mings. It, was, it was passion, it was work rate, it was a thunderous kind of goal, great celebration, and I think... I felt like we had Tyrone back. Actually, I felt like we had the whole back five back. We've already covered it off, but they were throwing themselves into challenges, kind of plenty of heart, plenty of chest puffed out, kind of going after it. And, and sometimes you do need just a different face, a different voice around the place to to get players back to their best. And and I think that was Tyrone Mings at his best. He was he was everywhere during that match. And even down to you know the odd miscontrolled touch, the odd shanked pass. But he was he was coming out the back. He was going into wide areas. He was he was I'd say outside of Eve Basuma on the other side, probably the best offensive player on the pitch and and got his just desserts with a goal and, and as I say lovely to see him run quarter way around the pitch thumping his chest celebrating it's just good to see and and he's coming for some stick and rightfully so as as a lot of these players are coming for some stick and it's good to see him come out the other side because you know we said before in this part it's it's a really likeable Villa team and over the last five, six weeks they've got a lot less likeable and it's nice to, to remember why he fell in love with them in the
2: first place I think that's absolutely it. I mean, my, you know, my, without, just without trying to sound like the soppy sentimental sod that I am, you know, my, my, my floppy haired captain with the biscuit shins has been <laughs> torn away, who I loved. And uh, my manager, who I loved, has also been, you know, taken out the back and uh, got the pillow and the gun from Purslow. And, um, and and now there's there's only a couple left who I'm in love with. Obviously, my beautiful baby boy Anwar, uh, who came on and was just beautiful on on, on Saturday, <laughs> and uh, Mings and McGinn. You know that that's it. I think that's and I think uh, the young lads. You know they're still that. You know they're still on the outskirts. They've, they've got to get into the inner circle first. But Mings and McGinn is is basically it. Martinez is probably in there as well. To be fair, in terms of the players that I really love. So it's great to see Mings. Um, just having a, a wonderful, wonderful week, you know, um, he could have done the, I, I joked last week about whether or not he did the, uh, Harry Maguire knee slide after scoring against San yeah. Marino. <laughs> he could have done it there. He could have done it there. He's, uh, scored his first goal for England. He's still in the England side, uh, or at least in the England squad. He's still Aston Villa captain, clean sheet. And then he he rounded off with a goal, um, you know, to, to to seal the first three points since again that aforementioned win at, at Old Trafford, and um, you know he could have done a knee slide and, and and cupped cupped his hands to his ears because he gets an ungodly amount of stick on Aston Villa Twitter. Uh, we've discussed it at length before. Um, the Cliff Notes version are: it's my opinion. I'm not going to put my opinion on anyone else that. Some of that criticism for Mings does not necessarily come from a place of football, or it comes from perhaps other places, I I believe, in my opinion. Um, but to see him just celebrate the way he did with humility, laughing and smiling. You know, he didn't do the 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 cuppy's fingers to his ears. He didn't do the famous shush or anything like that, because he does get a lot of stick. He was just... So happy to be there. So happy to be amongst the fans. He's smiling. He's laughing as the captain of Aston Villa on the winning side. I mean, there is a guy living his dream. Um, you know, from, from I know it's been said and probably we've said it to death, but one more time because it is absolute Cinderella stuff. From a mortgage broker to Chippenham Town to starting for England at the Euros this summer. And now scoring a goal for England and, and and being captain of Aston Villa at a sold out Villa Park and scoring you know what what turned out to be the, the the goal that clinched it. He just looked so happy, so relieved and he looks like he belongs there. He is Aston Villa captain. I absolutely love him and um and 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 long may he stay in in, in may, long may he stay with us because what a guy he is, what a character and and what a man absolutely and i mean we we've been we've been very sort of outspoken
1: on here about um about that haven't we and, and and exactly what we think of him i i would say that probably over the last few weeks it's been the first time um where some of the football criticism has been has been kind of deserved or warranted you know um he's he's not been at his best at times he has lost his rag at times he has um you know, maybe made 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 some errors as, it, as 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 all players do, but you know that's 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 part of football, and and maybe that dip in form on this occasion is what's what's led to some of that 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 criticism. I mean, you you mentioned it last week, Craig. He was he was absolutely back to his 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 normal self for the Southampton game. Um, the, only, very, the only one, by the way, yeah. he was the
2: only yeah. one came out of that game. Uh, only Villa player that came out of that game that you know with 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 with, with credit. Yeah, I mean, in the bank for me. He clearly
1: took um, being dropped for the West Ham game personally, and he wanted to to prove a point, and he absolutely did that, and he, he's he's backed that up again for the new manager. Um, and as well, you know, interesting to hear Steven Gerrard saying that he he will keep his options open when it comes to um, to the captain. Um, Tyron Mings is the captain at the moment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's always going to be the case, and it, it's it's under review. And I think that's that's fair enough, um, you know. But clearly, you know, if Mings is auditioning to be Stephen Gerrard's captain, then he's 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 made a damn good start to that, and uh, you know, I mean, he he's just the sort of person you want um, leading the team. If, if we spoke last week, didn't we, about the. You know the perhaps overinflated role of the football captain, really, and in this, particularly in this country. But um, it is there; it, it, it is an important position um, in in our football culture. And 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 out of everyone in that squad, he's the man you would automatically pick because he's 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 that kind of like statesman figure, isn't he? That leader. So um just just delighted I mean it was really it was quite a weird goal um certainly from behind the goal it was hard to see what was what was actually going on and then I couldn't tell whether it had actually gone in because of the way it kind of bent round and it as it went into the goal but yeah he certainly gave it some welly and uh um yeah and he he he, he properly enjoyed it as well which was which was great great to see
0: it's nice to see people enjoying their football again, isn't it? I mean, it's been a dour five or six weeks, hasn't it? It's not been fun to be a Villa fan. It can't have been fun to be a Villa player. And it's just nice to see some smiles on faces again. And even, you know, Emi Martinez, a blinding save on Tyrant Lamptey and was punching the air as he does like when he makes a mm. save. It was just good to see people enjoying themselves again. Long may it continue. I,
1: I will say that for a good hour after the first 20 minutes, I was, I was whinging my head off to people around me about the performance. Well, you were
0: on the WhatsApp from, <laughs> from your seat. We I had know. to tell you to get back to the game, Andy.
1: I know. You were grumbling. Yeah, I wish... It, I w- was, it was like someone was playing three-five-two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do wish that I was with one of the um, networks that didn't have any service at Villa Park, because I do tend <laughs> to get my phone out and I shouldn't really um but, <laughs> but yeah i like to let people know how i'm feeling um but yeah absolutely absolutely delighted then at, at, you know with that that final 10 minutes and 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 the place was the place was bouncing and 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 obviously on the way back as well um way out the ground as well it was it was fantastic um until we got to the train station but but uh, we won't go there <laughs> on this podcast. Um, well, you won't go anywhere at that train station by the looks of it. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: it did take a while. It did take a while. It wasn't pleasant. Um, I mean, Let's I, I, just a word on that, because why not? I mean, that's a shocker, that is. I mean, you know that you're going to have every two weeks, 42,000 people at a stadium that are going to need transportation. It's not like this stadium was built yesterday and we've still got teething issues. It's been there for 100 years. I mean, there's really just no excuse. It's it's absolutely shocking and, and travel West Midlands need to pull their finger out.
0: I mean, it's not just that; it's everywhere in the country. I'll be honest, kind of. I used to experience it down in Brighton on a, a weekend, and up here in Manchester, it's not much better. I was heading out to Liverpool the other day, and and the amount of fans crammed on a two-carriage train was was embarrassing and dangerous. It's, you know, British transport? Let's not make it a British transport podcast. We'll be here for a few more hours, but it's, it's not fit for purpose, especially not on a match day. It's it, it's a joke.
1: Well, there are two bigger issues. While we are on it. <laughs> First one is, you know, I, I witnessed it. football fans getting home is one thing, but I witnessed um, at Aston Station a woman trying to get. She was pleading with the the staff there um, to try and if she could just jump the queue because the queues were were massive, you know. Because she was, she said anyway that she was on her way to work. She was trying to get into work. Now people do work. They do work weekends. They do work nights. They have to get into work, you know, NHS staff or work care staff or whatever and in several and in other industries, you know, so it's not just about mobilising football fans around, it's it, it's also the rest of the city. You've also got the Christmas market going on at the moment in Birmingham, which is obviously that that swells the, 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 the travelling uh, population. And... Further to that, you know, they've got the Commonwealth Games coming next summer. Um, and if the transport systems are anything like they are at the moment, it'll be an absolute clown car because, you know, the, you know we think back to the, the London Olympics, it was almost seamless, or that's how it felt from the outside. Um, I can't see it, it being was. like that in it Birmingham was. next year unless they do some serious work um, over the next few months. Um, if they can't get um, forty thousand fans away from a football stadium in, you know, on a Saturday evening, um, you know, in good order, then how are they going to cope with with, with hundreds of thousands of, of fans going between venues and so on over a two week period? I just don't. I just think it's
2: they need to pull their finger out big time. I think probably what needs to happen is some of the individuals who are mates with government ministers need to bid <laughs> on some contracts for, um, for services that they can render to make sure that the transport system becomes unclogged. I think that might be the way forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, just if, if any any government ministers are listening to this podcast, we we are experts in transportation, and we'll take any multi million contract you want to throw our way. Absolutely, away. we'll, we'll uh, work it
2: out. <laughs> we'll work it out. I'm I'm you know I'm happy to um to, to send our document with, with with with, the, with, with outlining my, my credentials. Yeah. Um, speaking of credentials. <laughs> well, we should probably talk about your credentials, gentlemen. And when I'm talking about credentials, I'm talking about your penis, balls, and general <laughs> undercarriage. Okay. okay. Those are the credentials that we're talking Talk about Segways, yeah. Smooth, right? <laughs> I'm game. Smooth. You know what else is smooth? Go on. My beautiful baby boy Anwar, who came back. <laughs> You know, um, I've been thinking a little bit about some uh, of the old, uh, with all the, the, the John Gregory clips and the, you know, the former Villa manager clips, everyone talking about Villa managers on their debut. I was thinking about a player that I watched a lot in my youth, a man by the name of Alan Wright. He was a left back for Aston Villa. He played 260 games and he was only five foot four. He was shorter than average. And he was also follically challenged. And those two things are intrinsically linked. So, gentlemen, if you're out there, if you're a little bit like Alan Wright, if you are a little bit shorter than average and you are concerned about it, self-conscious about it, concerned about it, there is one quick-fire way to make sure that your Alan Wright can look a little less Alan Wright and a lot more Mark Draper his kind of bold midfield colleague who was slightly bigger stature and that is by getting rid of the smelly bushy pubic hair that might have coagulated uh, 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 liquid in it whatever you clean it you get rid of it you shave it off with the manscaped 4.0 hedge trimmer Yes, you do. You, 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 you take out your, your, your strimmer with a ceramic blade so it doesn't cut your balls, gentlemen. Ceramic blade, and it also has a light on it. So, you know, it's guided. You can guide it. You can trim, get rid of all that bushy, horrible hair. Make sure that it's smooth as a, as, a, as a baby's backside. And then, so, all of a sudden, your old boy, your Alan Wright, won't look five foot four anymore. He will look a little bit more like Mark Draper, just like that. This is the gift of Manscaped. Perception is reality, you see. So make sure that you buy yourself an early Christmas present. Make sure you're ready for the staff Christmas party. Make sure you're ready for any kind of uh, kissing under the mistletoe or fumbling around. Andy's just mentioned the Christmas market in Birmingham. I'm going to be there in two weeks. I don't know what day exactly, but if you see me, you can buy me a beer and a large bratwurst. You see there's a link there too, but we won't talk about large bratwurst because we're talking about Alan Wright. Get yourself the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped and we will make sure that when you use our promo code LAMP, which is L-A-M-P, that you get free worldwide shipping and 20% off. Look less like Alan Wright and more like Mark Draper with Manscaped. Use our promo code LAMP. Thank you Craig.
1: I was just um, <laughs> I don't know, I just found myself wondering whether Stephen Gerrard's banned mayonnaise as well, but we went, uh,
0: <laughs> Coagulated <laughs> liquids is a, a term that's going to stick in my head. Craig, yeah. you say you're at the Christmas market. Is this a gig? Are you Santa? Or is it a, a guest appearance?
2: No, I'm going to probably <laughs> just be uh, drinking. <laughs> well, fair enough. That's good. <laughs> And- i'm gonna be back in i'm gonna be back in birmingham at the in, in the next couple of weeks and i'm gonna try and get to the leicester game so if anyone's listening and has got a hook up for tickets you know you can slide into my dms but uh we we have to be subtle about it because villa are yeah. banning people left and right uh for uh mis- misappropriation of tickets anyway yeah <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> excellent no thanks craig that's uh and definitely worth having a look for your uh your partner or, or your brother's sister, whatever, um, for Christmas. It's, it's definitely worth having a, having a look at that. And uh.
2: I'd love to see someone buy it for their sister. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, a
2: bit of a joke present. You know? well, a, it's like that storyline from uh, Brookside uh, years ago. What was it? Uh, Nat and Georgia. There you go. Wow, that's a deep cut. That's a deep <laughs> cut. All right. Anyway. anyway, moving on from incest. Yeah,
1: let's get, on to, let's get on to this Saturday and the meeting of two Premier League midfield legends as Gerard goes head-to-head with Patrick Vieira, who is doing an excellent job um, with his exciting Crystal Palace team this season. Palace are in a great run of form, having beaten Man City and Wolves before the international break, and are now on the back of a 3-3 draw at Burnley, um, where ex-Villa hero Christian Benteke grabbed himself a brace. Um, they certainly have threats all over the park, not least um, with their latest England debutant, Conor Gallagher, um, who's, 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 who's playing out of his skin this season. Although they probably can, can be get got at um, defensively if the game the other day um, is anything to go by. Villa can draw level on points with Palace with a win and Gerard will be keen to back up his, his perfect start with a solid away display. How do you guys uh, see us approaching this one and, and should Gerard be making any changes to the team this weekend? Uh,
2: yes, yes he should in my estimation. I think that Buendia uh, should be dropped and I think that Danny Ings should be dropped I think if you look at where um, Palace were vulnerable or seemed vulnerable against Burnley, although lots of teams are vulnerable against Burn- uh, Burnley, it is, you know, those deep crosses, uh, those deep diagonals, um, you know, Burnley scored a couple of headers as, as they as they are, want to do. Um, so we've got to think about our crosses into the box and we've got to think about getting some of our, you know, our headers of a ball, uh, good headers of a ball onto the pitch if possible. Um, so... I would I would look at maybe uh maybe, maybe looking at Keenan maybe could come in and do a job. Um i wow, that's a so call. Cool. I'm I'm just thinking in terms of how do you get how do you get at them and then Keenan can also help out defensively. Uh you know, Benteke's on fire. But what I'm hearing, what I've heard from my Rangers mate Stuart, hello Stuart, if you're listening, shout out to you, is that Gerard changed his team basically not every game but quite a lot to you know to prey upon the weaknesses of the opposition so you know Gerard's team and um, you know Ian Beal Michael Beale, even will will be looking at the, uh, the, the 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 Palace vulnerabilities and if they see the vulnerabilities at Crystal Palace defensively are from deep crosses I'm I've no doubt that they will try and you know uh, formulate a system to take advantage of that maybe it won't see Keenan Davis involved maybe it's just Watkins in the middle uh, who's a bit more of a physical presence than than, than Danny Ings who an anonymous Danny so I think that uh I expect it to be a change Ashley Young to be fair to him has absolutely got the delivery to to make any team pay and that cameo to me says he deserves to start over brendia um I don't know if Steven Gerrard will agree but I think that um I think that there will be changes, but maybe just one or two. And and, and that could even be fitness issues. Uh, if 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 Douglas Weeds is back ready, if Sanson's back ready, um, maybe he changes around that midfield, who knows?
0: Yeah, I think you're talking about Palace's weak points. I think they're one of the only teams in the league who are worse at defending set pieces than we are, and that's definitely a place to go after them. I think if I'm Austin McPhee, I'm trying to, trying to impress the gaffer this week by coming up with a few routines that will will please his new boss and and maybe get us on the score sheet. Um, I can see Ashley Young coming into the starting lineup. I, I wouldn't like to see Buendia dropped, but I think it's the most logical move there, especially with his set-piece delivery. Tough game, though. I mean, Palace can be got at. They, they leak goals and are quite fancious against them, actually. But but a tough game. They've got a lot of talent going forwards. I mean, you, you mentioned him there, Andy. Connor G- Gallagher is a great player and a great bit of business to pick him up on loan. But they got Eze coming back, who's a player I'd have liked to see Villa pick up at some point. And, you know, Zaha is is always a danger. So not going to be an easy game. But, but, yeah, Austin McPhee, if you're listening, and, and he's not, let's be honest. But if he is he has got to come up with something this week because uh, yeah, we can really get
2: at him from free kicks and corners. Your job is on the line, Austin. Your job is on the line. <laughs> you better come up with something yeah, good. I, I hope he doesn't listen.
1: Uh, <laughs> he won't be too impressed. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I was thinking that actually, we haven't talked about that. But the the um, the, la- the the long throw was uh, conspicuous mm. by his absence, wasn't it? at The weekend, which um, it which was, I was like very a coagulated
2: liquid into the night, wasn't it, Andy? <laughs>
1: it was absolutely <laughs> yeah but i was i was i was absolutely delighted uh, to see the to see the back of that because it's it's at, it's an utter waste of time and uh unless you've got someone of you know who's just a a freak of nature like Rory Delap there's absolutely no point doing it because it's it's just not dangerous enough um regularly enough really so i was pleased about that um i would say um I like if, if what you're saying about Steven Gerrard is true um, that kind of ties in with how I think things should be done I, I don't really like it when you have managers picking the same team three or four weeks in a row I just think it's, it's it just gets stale very very quickly and it's easily easy for, for, for opposition managers to telegraph what you're doing and I like to see you know one, two, three changes every week Um and uh I would certainly be looking at um whether Buendia um you know, whether Ashley Young replaces Buendia is one thing, but I certainly think he, he'll perhaps sit out uh, this weekend. I think Danny Ings will get another run. Um I think he probably needs games he needs to get his match fitness up really and um I certainly think he's always good for
2: a goal and, and uh, you know and that's what that's what you need really so just just on um, Danny Ings Andy I'd be curious I don't yeah. know if, uh, Andy or, or Daniel if you can answer this or if there's any Southampton fans listening if you could tweet me at Craig Story <laughs> and tell me because I'm genuinely curious is this just what Danny Ings does does he have 15 16 touches in games and and but he pops up with a goal and everything's forgiven is this his normal thing or has he fallen off a cliff since he got to Villa Um, because I I genuinely don't know that's not me being funny I, I genuinely don't know like what it is
0: I think from what I've read, it's the latter. He, he was always praised for his build-up play and his link play at Southampton. And, and in fact, I think Southampton fans are reasonably happy to have got rid of him because it's let some other players flourish. But yeah, he he was involved in a lot of the build-up play from what I remember at Southampton. And it seems strange for him to have as few touches as he has for Villa because you expect him to be dropping in and linking things up. But it, it's bizarre that he's been so anonymous for a, for a player who's known as a link man.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think we just have to kind of see how he does. I think he is, he's perhaps a player that needs to get into a groove, um, like a lot of strikers really. And and obviously they're not going to do that whilst they're sat on the bench or, or out the side. So, um, you know, not that we can, you know, keep that keep waiting forever. You know, we need to make it make a decision. But I think he's one that will will perhaps get the next the next few games. Um, and with games. You know, a couple of weeks where we've got midweek games as well, that might be even better. You know, he might he might get if he can stay fit, he will he'll, he'll get um a good head of steam going there. Um but yeah, the midfield maybe, maybe you'll look at that. Certainly if Douglas Louise is fit, you'd expect him to come into the side or however you know, that would be harsh on the on the camber. Um so we'll, we'll you know we'll we we'll we'll just see but um i'm actually I'm actually looking forward to this one. I feel like um you know a couple of weeks ago these two games and then followed by man city uh, Leicester and Liverpool I was you know sort of dreading that really, but now I'm thinking we might we might just have a a little chance of um of picking up a few unexpected points so um and this is certainly one game where. You know, that you know, we can you know, Palace have had a really good start to the season. We can get level with them at the weekend and that would that would really kind of set us up nicely, I think, going into the Christmas period as well. So um I'm 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 forever hopeful of that.
0: Bit of a must-win actually. I mean you you talk about that run of games coming up and and the teams below us all picked up points at the weekend. I mean Dino got a tune out of Norwich, which was a bit of a surprise, Burnley are picking up points. Coming up with that tough run of games, we we need to get three points in the bag because otherwise we could find ourselves drawn back into that horrible mix down the bottom end of the table if we don't. But that's me being pessimistic as per usual. But
2: yeah, well, you 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 what you you don't want to be looking over your shoulder. I mean, but uh, the the interesting thing behind us is there's there's is there's teams that necessar- that you wouldn't necessarily think expect to be there like Leeds. Uh, who are really struggling at the moment, so um you'd expect them to pick up as well. This could be one of those seasons where there isn't anyone particularly cut adrift. It did look like it was going to be Norwich, but Dean Smith you know uh you know might turn might turn things around there I think although I think it'd be very difficult because I still think Norwich are terrible. Uh, Southampton don't look too clever. Obviously, they beat us, of course, but uh, they don't look too clever. So, and and Leeds again are struggling. So there could be some some surprise inclusions in the uh, in the relegation uh, battle this year. I think Eddie Howe's got his work cut out as well, but. Um
1: you know we will we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah uh, he does I'm hoping that we'll be well away from that argument <laughs> over the next few weeks, so we'll 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 see how it goes um predictions wise i'm going to go first, you'll be pleased to know <laughs> i'm going i'm going say <laughs> is this
0: because you spoke to Johan Langer in Sainsbury's? do you, do you know what's going to happen Andy? I
1: didn't actually speak to him, I had a look in his basket no. It's, <laughs> I'm going to go for um, I'm going to go for a reversal Of this fixture last season And uh, say 3-2 to
2: Villa Dan? Yeah Dan should go No no Dan go on
0: I don't know. Clearly the way to get a tune out this Villa team is to take a condiment away from them. So it depends. If Stevie G takes the mustard or the sriracha out the canteen, I can see us picking up three points. But um, no, I'm actually feeling pretty confident about this one, which inevitably means you should take my prediction with a pinch of salt. But I'm going 2-1 Villa.
2: Well, as I won the predictions last week and got uh, (laughs) 2-0 Aston Villa, I think that um, it's fine that I'm going to go last. I'm going to say 3-1 Villa. Did you say 3-1 Villa? No, you said 3-2 3-1 three, three, I think Palace have got so many wonderful attacking players you know Elise is one that you didn't mention uh, mm. I would have loved Elise. I would have loved Eze who's yeah. coming back to fitness Jordan Ayew uh, is good on his day Benteke is back into form Zaha Conor Gallagher they have attacking riches at Crystal Palace but they are they are susceptible to conceding a goal or three and I think they will concede three Aston Villa three Crystal Palace one I'll tell you what I forgot about
1: Jordan Ayew another another Villa legend number nine yeah was he top scorer of the year we went down with 17 points I think he he was, yeah. he, was. he was a top scorer yeah 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 great Um, yeah <laughs> good luck Jordan. okay so um that's all we have time for today thank you Uh thanks for joining me t- again today guys uh, thanks for listening everyone um if you're going to Crystal Palace, have a, have a great day out down there. I think it's a, apparently a bit of a tricky one to get to, but I'm sure you're all experienced with that. Um, enjoy the day. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully for one, um, to preview the return of our floppy head, former <laughs> floppy-haired prince. Um, what's his name again? Joe Grulash. <laughs> he's co- maybe coming back if, he, if he's got the bottle for it. And... Um, In the meantime, you know, Christmas is coming. Get over to manscaped.com and use our code LAMP for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Um, Other than that, stay safe and up the villa.